Aalto University Podcast. Welcome, this is Cloud Reacher Season 1. So we are excited to have uh, this episode on failures in teaching, namely failures in adopting new technologies in teaching. And today we have as guests uh, Salu Ylirisku and of course uh, my co-host uh, Mika Lehtonen. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So hey, let's start with uh, with a short introduction like, I mean, who you are, what have you done before and uh, if you can share also about like what is a turning point in your career, do you have some like clear moments when you realize that you are actually a teacher? All right, should I start? So um, I'm uh, Salu Ylirisko and um, currently I'm a teacher here in Alta University. Um, my official title is Senior University Lecturer. I have a diverse background. Um, I started with computer science uh, focusing on user-centered design and user interface design. I was a couple of years uh, then in industry um, doing actual um, software for production planning before starting a career um, here at the university um, in design research, uh, studying concept design processes. I did that for more than 13 years. Uh, then I was two years in Denmark um, doing an associate professorship um, on interaction design. And um, then I'm, I returned back to Finland and jumped from there to this teacher track. Um, I'm actually um, happier here in teacher track than in the professor track. It, it's so much more demanding the pressures on, on professors and, and in today's world, mm. especially trying to get funding and uh, getting your publications accepted. But that, that's uh, my background in a nutshell. All right. And yeah, I guess I don't have to introduce myself. <laughs> Well, perhaps yeah. you share like uh, this has some turning point in your career. <laughs> and when did you first realize that you're a teacher, Mika? Ah, that's a good that's a good question, Tommy. Um, I think sometime like so, I, I started my PhD studies in uh, 2009, September, around that time, and it took a couple of years for me to actually start. No, actually, no, sorry. 2009, I started my PhD studies, and then. During the same year in the autumn, I actually also moved to Denmark to teach. And I was like my uh, my thesis supervisor. She was my supervisor there as well. She just, you know, threw me in a classroom full of uh, Danish international students and start teaching. And <laughs> that's when I realized that, you know, okay, this is this is not so bad. Whoa, yeah. so cool. Hey, um, Salu. Um, uh, I would like to add a bit about yeah, teaching. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, um, as a researcher, um, we had to do the teaching uh, as part of our uh, employment. Um, but then I, I would like to comment on on the, the very concept of teaching because I, I somehow I, I feel that I'm <laughs> I'm unable to teach anybody anything. It's uh, uh, the responsibilities on the learner's side. I would see that that it's it's about learning and mm-hmm. uh, my my role is just to create conditions for mm-hmm. them to be able to learn yeah yeah um so in that sense i i consider that the, the whole term and concept of teacher a bit old fashioned mm-hmm. um 
coming from the ages where the teacher knew what's the correct uh, answer and what's the, the theory mm. behind and then it's the for the others to learn uh, what there is to learn mm. Mm. and and today we are facing increasingly challenges uh, that there is no right answers no ro- wrong answers and technology is developing so rapidly the teacher doesn't know what he or she mm. is teaching mm-hmm. uh, so it's more about co-learning and facilitating the, the learning of the others. But this was just a side. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, I, we completely agree. I mean, for example, our learning mm. at Alto Gala and uh, challenge. I mean, these kind of events. It's it's exactly to the point. I mean, to the same point. So very good point. Hey, um, so um, both of you, uh, you have integrated different technological solutions into your courses. So. Uh, can you share some more about those, like what kind of technological solutions? I mean, clearly you said that, that, that the learner is in the focus, but then still you have been using technological uh, settings. So can you share those? Okay. Um, yeah, so just uh, I'll try to keep it short. But basically, so the course that I'm teaching um, is like a three-week intensive format. And... During the last two years, so 2017 and 2018, um, we've had a couple of teams in Denmark. And we realized during the first iteration in 2017 that when the Danes or the Danish teams, they they joined the course two weeks remotely and then they joined here for the first uh, last week. Um, and because they have to organize as a cohort um, an event open for public, we realized that the Danish teams they had a bit of a disadvantage because they don't have access to the venue. Um, so that's like that's one of the reasons why we decided to um, try out VR, like this kind of VR collaboration tool. So what we did this year was that we had this, we created a 3D rendering of the space, the, the venue where, the, where these uh, students, they could, they could um, prototype and they would draw collaboratively and, you know, see how the whole event, kind of do some event planning and prototyping in that sense. Yeah, but I guess we're going to be talking more about the failures, but that was like the kind of guiding idea, like the beautiful vision that this is how it's going to be. But mm-hmm. I, I don't know about you, Salo, how was yours? My experiment, um, it goes with a long uh, <laughs> introduction because... Uh, <laughs> It stems from uh, my my work as researcher of innovation processes, and I uh, I was uh, faced with the situation that we we established a new course here, um, a multidisciplinary innovation course, uh, and uh, because I had been studying innovation process and and theorizing also the learning that happens in there, and basically um, my main main kind of insight is that innovation process is really a learning process, and we could mm. use the same mechanisms. In um, in the education itself, and uh, my the the technical um, in kind of experiment that I did was to to try to implement uh, the the teaching in in such uh, a game <laughs> that would mm-hmm. uh, be based on the rules of innovation, and if the uh, if the students would kind of get <laughs> and and learn mm-hmm. these rules, they they could self organize their uh, learning activities so that it would actually be uh, beneficial for their future career. And uh, there were uh, many different kinds of influences that made made me do this experiment uh, last uh, autumn. Uh, 
firstly, I, I had some uh, technical experiments in, in gaming. Uh, I'm, I like to play computer games myself, and I was leading a clan, and I, I created the web service for, for the game players so that they could improve the kind of skills that I, I found crucial for that kind of a battle mm. game. And I um, helped them to, to learn particular kind of way to protect their vehicle in, in the ga- <laughs> game uh, so that they got kind of a score. Mm. And people like that, and every day there was a kind of um, feedback on like that, or every hour the, the site was updating and giving feedback of who is doing well, who is doing not that well, in terms of oh. uh, performance. And uh, also um, the previous summer, I I took part in a, a kind of collaborative game in a scouts camp where we had over two thousand players, uh, where they they organized their um, behavior. And based on a mobile application, uh, that they could mm. uh, eventually during the game they could become more and more aware of the rules of the game, and then reorganize and readjust their behavior. Having two thousand people kind of self-organizing—it's so complex thing that nobody can actually control that. Mm. But then it kind of gives the power and freedom for people to actually uh, think of what actually would be the best way uh, to get to the higher score and I'm, I'm, I'm based on these experiences I wanted to to try out something that would this work in educational context and we also um, I, I had been um, in collaboration with uh, Ville Loranda who is uh, studying um, sharing economy and uh, Pekka Nikander who is uh, really um, interested also in that uh, especially in terms of technical implementation like how blockchain technologies could support more kind of fair compensation mechanisms for the current uh, information age uh, where um, currently we are seeing how big corporations are sucking the, the money uh, based on people's information and people don't get any other reward than using the service basically. Mm, yeah. uh, so the, the monetary compensation goes uh, all, all to the companies. Um, this is to simplify <laughs> kind of crudely. Um, so also um, that was one impact in the experiment that we would have a system that could track the con- uh, contributions that individual uh, students make to their, each other's learning and they would be rewarded um, in the game score based on their contribution. Mm-hmm. Did you, uh, did you uh, somehow evaluate the suitability of these uh, technologies in the in the course setting i mean did you have some test um no it was really we we had the opportunity okay, okay. i want to try this pilot mm-hmm. now and i it was really a, a kind of a hack into the context using google drive and slack and, and python programming to com, uh, kind of combine things technically mm-hmm. so it was really a, a, a prototype of a, a contribution game mm-hmm. um but it, it was based on deep understanding, uh, theoretical understanding mm-hmm. of how innovation works, how learning works. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was trying to operationalize those ideas into the principles of the game. Nice. And uh, since we are talking about failures, so did something go wrong or was it all perfect? <laughs> yeah, there were um, several ways in which the game didn't work. Uh, although there were several ways also in which it worked. Um, Basically, the way in which it worked was that, um, to me, as I read innovation processes or innovation projects, 
they should result in something new, something mm. relevant, and something that people can use. So those are really the, the founding points. And yeah. I was in, trying to encourage students to, to create also something new, something relevant, and something that others can use in the, in the process. And uh, um, the game was based really in that students would invest their time and uh, they would invest their time uh, by doing some activity that results in some kind of digital artifact. And that would be, for example, uh, you can do a user study where you produce photographs and, and interview reports or so. So it's a, a direct contribution to the project. Mm. Or it could be uh, a contribution about the project. So it would be your memo, your diary. Um, a reflection about the process and mm. and you would be rewarded by that and then the evaluation of your comp- contribution would be shared so that you when i'm i'm contributing to the process i'm i'm sharing my results with you and you check the quality okay this is good and uh, you approve that and uh, then everybody is also asked to add references to the works of others or the contributions of others that they are using in their own works. So they, it would become a bit like a small research community who are mm. uh, referencing each other's works and building on top of what the others produce. Mm. But that all sounds mm. very cool. promising. So did everything go Yep. <clears throat> so the idea of investing time, it became from uh, this uh, curriculum that we have, that we have like one... One uh, ECTS or credit is worth 27 hours of work. Mm. That's the kind of the uh, how, kind of guidance mm. in in um, calculating the amount of work that students do in a course. And we had a five credit course, so that would com- um, uh, correspond to 135 hours. Mm. And uh, so I asked su- students to to aim to get. Uh, Uh, so that's the limit. You you can't invest more than 135 hours, but you uh, there is the contribution score which was based on their investment of hours, and they could kind of multi get uh, bigger contribution scores by reusing each other's works and um, um, doing particular kind of uh, uh, sharing activities or um, being uh, present in lectures. They could uh, gain kind of multipliers for their hours mm-hmm. so that those increased. But this whole idea of investing hours uh, somehow led the students to think that, okay, this, uh, the whole idea of game is just investing as much hours as possible, mm-hmm. uh, which led mm-hmm. uh, some students to think that uh, we should actually de-optimize our performance and, and put the least <laughs> capable person to do the things uh, so that it would take most time, so that you would generate more hours. So it, it kind of, mm-hmm. this mean the misinterpretation was uh, perhaps the biggest in the game, that they, they thought that this is about making hours, not about making contributions. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I see. That's, uh, that's interesting. How about Mika? Um, in your setting, does it uh, relate to this kind of, or I, I suppose it was very different kind of failure? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, maybe like coming a bit from a different perspective, like we, um, like whereas... Like Salu, like kind of, you really thought out through, like you know, you really invested time in kind of understanding or like creating the framework. Um, I think like what we did, we kind of failed to understand how much time you need 
to design like the VR environment, like really simple things, figuring out um, do we have enough VR headsets? Um, I remember like I was bugging you, Tommy, like before the course, like, you know, I need, I need VR headsets and fast. That was one thing and like trying to locate them, like um, Adi, my colleague, he was running around the campus, like trying to locate them. And there was one funny story about this that going a bit on the kind of sidetracks, but there was um, some of our colleagues, they had, they were about to install like six sets. And I was like, oh my God, this is like a lifesaver because we needed like 12 sets in total. Yeah, in the mining. Yeah, course, yeah. But then there was a funny, funny coincidence because they, uh, one of their computers was missing a component that our supplier didn't have on stock. So I had to go and order this from some really sketchy Indian online store, like with a really fast shipping, like two days shipping. I was like, oh my God, is it going to arrive? It did. But then the whole setup was still not ready. Um, uh, that was one thing that we realized that the, the infrastructure wasn't there. Um, but then also the collaboration tool turns out like what, when we saw the demos and I'm, I'm not complaining or like blaming anyone, I'm just kind of, you know, revealing my, like my own idiocy in this case. Um, we realized that the, the collaboration tool was like in pre-alpha stage. So it wasn't really like the UX or the UI wasn't, or the user interface wasn't really proper. Um, logging in was trouble. So I think there were like lots of these kind of structural problems that we had no idea. Like we didn't know to, how even to expect these. So they just, you know, come along as we proceed with the course and we were just like, oh my God, what's going to happen next? And um, yeah, I mean. Yeah, just, if, if you, uh, just a quick question. So if you think about the people in the audience might think, okay, well, they might want to use virtual reality or some other tech in their courses. So uh, do you have some advice? I mean, like definitely, I, I mean, I still strongly believe that this is like the idea works. And we have like a short video clip, like 30 seconds, where actually we have like one student trying out the software or the tool and it works. Like they were drawing and, you know, ideating like, okay, there's going to be a like they were doing like 3D drawing that, you know, there's going to be a chair here and all that. So it does work. Um, but I would say like even start with making sure that, you know, you that you have enough VR headsets in your home institution, for example. Mm. That's a way to start. How about Salvo? Do you have some suggestions for the audience thinking about using that? I have certainly suggestions um, in using technology. Um, first of all, I think, Teaching should be done in the mind of the learn, kind of having the learning in mind and and particular learning goals. And uh, here the experiment some somehow kind of uh, interfered with with good pedagogical practice. For example, kind of mm. um, there is a good kind of track record for kind of why teams should be uh, made in a particular ways in innovation projects. Here I um, allowed the students to form their groups freely. Uh, mm. So. I just gave them the game rules and, and okay, you are up to group yourself openly. And of course, mm -hmm. it kind of resulted in, in similar kinds of people joining together. Uh, they were like mm -hmm. the business students were in one group and then, then the mm -hmm. designers were in one and engineers in one. Kind of basic uh, pedagogical mistakes uh, so that they, the groups, some groups didn't really work and they kind of created these self-imposed si silos so that they, they really didn't do the sharing as much as I, mm, I was hoping. Mm. And uh, 
also um, kind of these students were a bit confused as to how they are evaluated in the course. Like what are the, the criteria for success? Mm. Are they evaluated on the basis of game performance or uh, some other kind of pedagogical criteria which are stated in the curriculum? And, mm. and so they were a bit confused. So kind of uh, clear, clear rules about how, how students are evaluated. Um, I mean, it's like the technological setting is not the really the kind of the that should be at the front, right? But it's it's yeah, technology should serve the pedagogical practice yeah, yeah. Um, that helps students to learn. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. I, I would encourage uh, teachers to experiment with technical stuff because I'm I'm thinking in in the longer term we are facing increasingly. Uh, uh, technology in in the learning context. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing that mm-hmm. around everywhere. Uh, mm-hmm. People are using increasingly different kinds of technical systems to help uh, students to learn. Even from the very first courses that students take in the kind of kindergarten courses already, <laughs> they start to use yeah, yeah. iPads and whatever yeah, yeah. pads in that and the learning. Um, so, so I'm encouraging teachers to to try out different kinds of techniques. But um, keeping in mind that the pedagogical aims should be there, uh, mm. the primary driver yeah. uh, for the education, and then technology should serve that. Mm. But uh, technology can't just come there and, and so that you would expect it to serve you. You need mm. to invest mm. your time in trying out and learning and mm. uh, reflecting <laughs> on the failures yeah. as we are doing today. So yeah. I'm actually yeah. very happy about uh, talking about these failures because it enables us to become pin, uh, able to pinpoint what are the kind of things to improve in the yeah. future. Excellent. But hey, how, actually, this is a good um, good uh, point to discuss about. How, how does it feel to talk about these failures, Mika? What do you think? Like, I mean, do you learn how yourself by being open and kind of sharing your failures, or what do you think? Yeah, absolutely, and um, kind of connecting to what. Salu said, I mean, we need to have these kind of perspectives because otherwise we have, because we all have blind spots, right? We can, mm. we can never see the, like the back of our heads, but with this, we can kind of mm. um, navigate through that. Then. But I would say like, it's also important to have this kind of kind of safe space because if you start sharing your failures and then if you are instantly judged or kind of mm. say like, okay, you know, move on, um, I, that's in the, like, that's going to have like really negative consequences in the end. Mm. So like having like this safe space. That's why we have this safe space and it's openly <laughs> shared. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's, I, I mean that the, the university doesn't penalize the teachers who are experimenting, even though they are failing mm. in some ex- experiments. Mm-hmm. For example, mm-hmm. the student feedback on my course was really devastating. And I, I was really kind of feeling very bad about the experiment where yeah. I invested a lot of time and thinking in, in order to do that. But it, it just didn't work. The students experienced that, okay, the, this was really hands down the worst course ever. <laughs> some mm. some complained. Yeah, and I've also sure. learned that gamified learning uh, really divides uh, people's, uh, students' uh, experience. Uh, mm. Some really mm. dislike, some enjoy it. Mm. Um, yeah, perhaps because it's the kind of the competition and... Um, I mean, kind of setting with, which might uh, create, I mean, mm. negative feelings, aggression yes. as well. And yeah, and, and the competition point is actually, I'm, I was surprised to see that um, in in my course, I'm, I was putting students uh, in a ranking list, like who, who is performing the best in terms of uh, contribution scores. 
and students really hated that. Um, of course, mm. it, it was able to boost the performance of some students. That they learned how to play mm. and how mm. to con contribute better. But some students, even on the very top, said that they, they really disliked the, this kind of a ranking idea. Mm. And I was... Um, I would be curious to explore with different kinds of feedback mechanisms that would enable students to become aware of, okay, what are the good behaviors, what are the bad behaviors, because mm. how else can they learn what mm. they should be learning in terms of these deeper principles? Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's actually, I'm just thinking about the kind of future skills, 21st century skills, this kind of communication, collaboration, critical thinking. So on. Uh, so, what do you think? I mean, like, is is this something, some direction to look at? Like, like if we are, anyways, if we are gamifying more or less. I mean, creating courses as as games and making remote access also possible. Then to really fo really ensure that uh, in the learning objectives we have these kind of skills that um, are kind of um, kind of perhaps uh, reducing the feeling of competition. And feeling of this kind of, uh, I don't know, negative use of time and uh, mm -hmm. use of mm -hmm. use of kind of hours, as you were saying, uh, Salo earlier. What do you think? And of of course, mm -hmm. how how to yeah. do it? Or like what what kind of vision you have for short term or for longer term, or the university education or any education, any learning. <laughs> mm. um, I've yeah. seen, especially now when I'm working in, inside the school of electrical engineering, that. We need specialized education and, and specialized skills. Um, that's required in, in order for you to build anything that works. Yeah. You really yeah. need to learn your stuff, whether it's materials, whether it's uh, programming, whether it's platforms, whether it's magnetism and electricity mm -hmm. um, and so on. So that enables people to create things. And uh, in some fields, you really need to be developing very, very kind of sophisticated, specialized skills. For example, if you are building satellites or something like that, yeah. uh, that are really evaluated based on, on their technical functioning. But there is also the other aspect uh, that I'm, um, I feel that my, my biggest uh, contribution is there inside the School of um, Electrical Engineering, and it is the conceptual work. And it's, uh, it's about um, being able to contextualize what you are doing. So it's about studying what people are using your product for. What are mm, the contexts yeah. they are mm. working in so that they, you can uh, contribute to that. It also, conceptual work is also constructivist. You, you need to be able to construct things uh, in order for you to learn how they connect to the context. Yeah, learning by doing. Yeah. Mm. It also requires conceptual skills so that you can talk about what you are doing in, in a language that people understand, which mm. relates to yeah. the, the fourth aspect of these conceptual skills is that communication, so that you need to be able to uh, tell in an engaging way so that people understand what you are talking and um, so that people can contribute and collaborate with you. Mm. Mm. Yeah. How about Nika, what do you think? Yeah, actually, like building on what you Salut just said, and also earlier, like one thing is that um, because we work with like in this multidisciplinary student body, um, being able to communicate to people who might not necessarily buy into the whole idea of utilizing design as a competitive advantage. I mean, that's like super important, like communicating to others. Like when we talk about design, it's like, yeah, we all buy into it. But then try convincing others who have never heard about design or think of design as kind of 
only chairs and tables. That's one thing. Um, but I also think it's about what you mentioned earlier about like not calling yourself necessarily a teacher, but like co-learner or like co-creating knowledge. And I think that's when you think about studies in general, we, we still see courses as kind of pipelines, that there's like a clear start, clear mm -hmm. end. But so when you start doing things in a different way, that causes anxiety um, in students. And, and that's something that like we could also be kind of communicating more that, you know, hey, we are going through this major shift. Um, I think that same thing happened to me, like, was it 2016 or 2017, that students um, were frustrated right after the course, but then after a couple of months, then they realized, like, ah, okay, yeah, okay, now I see the point. So that's also one thing that, you know, the evaluation system should be done so that, you know, it also spans a bit, like, goes further than just right after the course. Um, so I think that would be interesting to see, like, talking to the students after a couple of months have passed. And <laughs> That's a very good point. Like, uh, like instead of creating the setting where everything is all clear and set up, yeah. but, I mean, sometimes perhaps we need to create some confusion in order to help uh, learners to learn. There, there was a point that also uh, it's not only that students need to kind of get adjusted and accustomed to different ways of um, uh, organizing mm. the, the teaching, Uh, but also the teachers. Yeah, yeah. I would say that uh, people who have a background in teaching these uh, lectures with repetitive content and repeating yourself all over again uh, <laughs> every year with same slides, and basically you could just record that yeah. and share it. But what what do you do then? That's the question that uh, I suppose many teachers are fearing. Yeah, that uh, there is the uncertainty. How should I organize my teaching if? everything that I, I've been doing is online. Yeah, so it yeah. kind of like the internet would steal my, my stuff and <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just yeah. left uh, Finally, there useless. is time to talk with students, right? Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. That, yeah. and that, that's actually really interesting point. Yeah. Where you kind yeah. of give your stuff freely there for students to learn and then you're available to them in a different way. Mm, that's so, that's so great. Hey, thanks for uh, discussing um, in this episode on, on failures in um, using tech uh, in teaching. Um, one final question to, to Salu. So the name of this, uh, our podcast uh, series and this season and the, and the um, whole podcast is Cloud Reachers. And uh, we would always like to ask, like, okay, well, if you think about cloud reaches, who is or what is cloud reacher, a cloud reacher in your own field? That's a so tricky question. I, I, and actually, it's very difficult to pinpoint a particular person. Um, although I, I have some names in mind, well, <laughs> but in, in, in different <laughs> ways. But uh, kind of what, what I'm thinking that yeah. um, based on what I, I said earlier about developing specialized skills so that you are actually able to create something and functions. And uh, then on top of that, that you are able to do this conceptual work. Uh, and on top of that, uh, mm. so that you are able to uh, have people around you and engage them into what you are doing. And uh, I can see that there are people having these skills in different regard, but One of my favorite is really the game uh, professor uh, Berto Hamalainen, 
who is really going deep into the artificial mm. in intelligence and then mm. then being able to really conceptualize his work clearly and engage people around. So I'm mentioning him. He's really on the top of mind. There are also different kinds of kind of practitioners in the field. I would raise Turka Keinonen, my <laughs> former boss, uh, who is really doing great work in, in spreading the message of design here mm. um, inside mm. Aalto University. And I'm, I've been so happy to see that this is developing towards more kind of a, an innovation university uh, as it was uh, outlined in the start. Mm. Mm. Hey, thanks so much uh, for this insight. Um, so this was the Cloud Reaches podcast episode on failures in adapting new tech in teaching. I'm Tomi Kauppinen and thanks my co-host Mika Lehtonen and our fantastic guest Salu Ilirisko. So thanks Thank for you. joining us. Thank you.